And I think that at the end of the day, especially because this was a white supremacist manifesto, uh, that I want to say with more moral clarity that Donald Trump is responsible for this. We have to have the capacity to call it as we see it. The facts, as John Adams said, are stubborn things. This kind of rhetoric unquestionably was going to, you've used the word accelerant, it was going to create a climate in which people were going to do unspeakable things. Because of the spoken word, people can do unspeakable things. You have no legitimacy and you have no standing until you have your own personal self-examination about the contributions that you have made to white nationalism and white supremacy and its rise in the United States of America. Uh, I don't, I mean, I know that white supremacists feel empowered with this president. I, I know that. Um, it's clear they feel empowered when he attacks people. And our country is better than this. Our country is just better than this kind of divisive, racist talk by a president of the United States. We are in a cold civil war. We are in a cold civil war. And there's some people who bear the burden of it, Chuck. We have children in El Paso right now, right, who, who just witnessed their family members, their friends shot down because somebody thinks there's a Hispanic inv invasion of the country, which is almost the exact same language of the president of the United States. Donald Trump isn't, as you rightly note, he didn't pull the trigger, uh, but he embraces, along with a whole bunch of others, he embraces a view of America that, that some scholars will call inherent vote democracy. He thinks that this is, in fact, a white nation. And when you talk about Mexicans as criminals and rapists and the country under siege, you have unstable people who are going to see that as a sign that they have got to take up arms and do the horrific things that we just saw in El Paso. He's, he's been calling Mexican immigrants rapists and criminals. Um, I, I don't know, like members of the press, what the f***? Hold on a second. You know, uh, connect the dots about what he's been doing in this country. Um, he's not tolerating racism. He is promoting racism. He's not tolerating violence. He's inciting racism and violence in this country. Is it fair, John, to tie the president to this violence? Well, Dan, whether or not it's fair, he's going to have to answer those questions. The bottom line is this president has had a rhetoric on immigration and on immigrants uh, that has been deeply divisive. And this is going to be something that he is going to have to answer for. All right. Happy uh, Monday, although there's nothing happy about all that has happened over the uh, weekend and the sadness and the pain and the tragedy as families now again looking to rebuild their lives come to grips with with death and tragedy unnecessary and uh, surrounding it all is the all too predictable almost instantaneous if you can bludgeon trump with it let's bludgeon him let's let's politicize a tragedy it only took seconds after the shooting to do it and because that obviously is more important, I, I'm, I'm going to give you some numbers and statistics to prove a point out of the box. And um, we have more than anybody else. We have pointed out on this program now for years. We pointed out on television for years that there is a lot of pain, unnecessary violence, death, horror that is just ignored. Part of it, I, it's inexplicable. I can't explain in any way why it is that one case gets this high-profile attention, another case gets no attention, 
the daily carnage in some cities, we just brush it aside. And every life, if you believe as I do, is created by God Almighty. And that it's, you know, we live in the greatest, although imperfect country, the greatest country God ever gave man. And because of that grace, coupled with the greatest military and on the face of this earth, freedom continues uh, for all of us and and people abuse it. There's always there's always these dark, sick, twisted, ugly people out there. I'll get to this idiot's manifesto in El Paso in a little bit. We'll get to the Dayton situation in a little bit. First, our warmest, sincerest prayers and regards. I don't know how people endure such tragedy. I don't know. And I don't want to add to anybody's pain in all of this, but some things have to be discussed and some things have to be understood a little bit better. Um, We, you know, there are people that use all sorts of sick, ugly, twisted excuses to justify what they do. There is some, it doesn't matter. Does it really matter if somebody is, if you are a, a radical Islamic part of a caliphate that believes convert or die? That is a sick, ugly, evil, twisted ideology. You know, parents that would strap bombs on their own kids and promise them virgins in heaven if they kill Westerners, Americans, or or Jews, that is an unimaginable evil. It exists in this horrible world at times we live in. There's beauty in this world and there's ugliness in this world. There's good and there's evil. That just is, you know, you see tremendous... Uh, in the midst of tragedy, look at 9-11. You, you've got the worst murdering moment on American soil, and in the midst of that, these incredible people, while everyone's racing to get out of buildings, they're racing to go up to save people. Um, out of evil, goodness, World War II, horrible, carnage, death, misery, destruction, a sick, ugly, twisted, evil ideology of the driving force that, you know, in the last century between communism and fascism and Nazism, and, and it goes on from there, 100 million human souls are lost. Over the weekend, I know the media didn't spend any time talking about this. We have all of these people that are killed in Dayton, Ohio. All of these people killed and all of these people injured in El Paso. And rightful, it deserves coverage. The causes, it's not blame Trump. That's not the issue. When the shooting happened in the ball field while Republicans were practicing and the guy that ends up, you know, that did the shooting that nearly killed, for example, Steve Scalise and injured all these other people is a Bernie supporter. I remember saying at the time we can pull the tapes because I said it numerous times. I said, you can't blame Bernie Sanders. That's not that Bernie Sanders does not endorse that evil. Now, I, I'm, I'm not going to do what the left does here. Bernie Sanders is not responsible for what one of his stupid supporters have to say. Because most Bernie Sanders supporters are not violent and not out there trying to kill Republicans. And Bernie said he was sickened by the entire, you know, anti-GOP massacre here. All right, and I believe him. So it's Ryan, McCarthy, and, and Scalise. Scalise. Right, and this individual... Let me move on. Assailant. The president addressed the nation today talking about, as he has done in the past, media wouldn't tell you that, condemning white supremacists. They, anybody that thinks this way is evil in their thinking, distorted, ugly, horrible uh, human beings. 
You have all sorts of complicated things that surround evil. Some of it may have to do with mental health issues. Other has to do with a, a, a just indoctrination into a sick, ugly ideology that people have. The president was right. In one voice, our nation must condemn this racism, bigotry, white supremacists, etc. You look at the manifesto supposedly written by this idiot in El Paso, and my ideology has not changed for several years. My opinions on on automation, immigration, all the rest predate Trump and his campaign for president. I put, you know, this here because people will blame the president or certain presidential candidates for the attack. That's not the case. I know the media will probably call me a white supremacist anyway and blame Trump's rhetoric. The media, whatever. That is not really covered very much. It doesn't bring back anybody's life, but it's not any different than a Bernie supporter in the ball field. And to make that connection is just it is intellectually lazy to start with. And again, it's let's bludgeon Trump. You know, we, we won't say a word. No, I believers in the case of the lieutenant governor in the Commonwealth of Virginia. But if it's if we can bludgeon Trump and Kavanaugh, we'll do that because it's selective moral outrage. Any of these shootings are, God, horrific. Imagine it happens to you. Put yourself in the place of a parent right now, and you lost any family member, brother, sister, unique cousin, whatever. You, the, the, you are now in your whole, the trajectory of your life is forever changed today. Now, I went through, these are massive stories, I have ideas that I have thrown out. Nobody ever wants to discuss alternatives to the, to the knee-jerk, you know, guns did this. No, guns don't do this. Just like the Sarno brothers, they can use bombs with, you know, these timers that they did in that particular case. If you want to be evil, there's all sorts of sick, ugly ways you can do it. And, you know, you, I searched Google last night, 45 minutes, and I wanted to see, well, how many gunshot deaths took place in Chicago this weekend, New York this weekend, Baltimore this weekend, Detroit this weekend. And um, nobody seems to want to. There were 46 gunshot deaths in those places. And by the way, that's just for Friday and Saturday. I haven't updated my numbers. I know probably at least another dozen people. I remember one night scrolling the names of people that were shot and killed in Chicago during the Obama years, and it went on and on and on, not names anyone ever talks about. These reports you covered, you know, it's you take it together, and what we have, there is a really insane underbelly of violence in this society. And well, well the answer is, well, what are we going to do? I don't have all the answers, but I know one thing I would do. I would be using retired police. I'd be using retired military. I would surround perimeters at school, and every school floor would have armed guards everywhere. So you can instantly fight back. Same with stores like Walmart and other places. If we don't get to an answer that's going to work, it's going to keep happening. If the only thing you're going to hear is blame Trump, let's propose legislation, nothing happens. You know, murders, you know, often happen, you know, um, and we don't we're numb to it if it doesn't advance a political agenda. And this is the predictable blaming conservatives and Donald Trump and trying to say all conservatives, Donald Trump and every Republican is a racist. It is not the case. It's never been the case. 
but that is a cheap, intellectually inferior argument made by people. Because, again, okay, well, Hillary Clinton's not guilty of obstruction. Trump has no underlying crime for investigations. Let's, he's guilty of obstruction. Let's impeach him. Uh, but we're not going to say Hillary's subpoenaed emails are obstruction or that the underlying crime existed. It's selective moral outrage. If you can politicize it, do it. That's what they, that, then it becomes important. You know, look, every Democrat, they rushed to the microphone in the last two days, blaming Trump, trying to advance the narrative. Trump's a racist. Trump's a racist, et cetera. He, Trump's responsible. Remember in December 2014, Black Lives Matter? What were they chanting? What do we want? Dead cops. Where, where, you know, when do we want them now? Or pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. Oh, okay. Well, remember when the Black Lives Matter organizer was one of several activists to emerge on the national stage after Ferguson, Missouri, and a key member of the movement when the Michael Brown shooting took place. By the way, Darren Wilson was proven to be right. And anyway, but they also got an invitation into Obama's White House. Nobody seemed to pay attention to that. Not exactly the same thing, is it? Well, it kind of is. I wouldn't invite people to the White House if I was president that said, what do we want, dead cops? When do we want them now? I'm going to get into this blame game, but I also think we need to have a really serious conversation about how to protect our malls and our schools, our kids. How do you protect yourself, your family? If you, because we know that there's going to be some person, some sick, some twisted ideology, someplace, somewhere, somehow that wants to kill innocents for whatever evil reason is motivating them. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. You know, one thing is, uh, you know, I don't blame ideology. You know, it's very, very simple, intellectually lazy and easy to say, well, this person's responsible, created the atmosphere, blah, blah, blah. Well, is that the case with Ted Kaczynski? Is that the case with the Bernie supporter in the ball field? In Maryland, you know, all, you know, all the coverage from this weekend, El Paso and all the politicians, it took them seconds to immediately politicize and blame Donald Trump. Well, um, and say, well, it's the talk of the president wanting the wall and protecting the wall and and calling people that cross the borders uh, uh, criminals and illegals, et cetera, et cetera. Well, OK, but do we care about those statistics, the four thousand homicides that happened in a two-year period, illegal immigrants killing Americans? Is that important to the people that are criticizing the president on the other side of this, that don't want walls, that think walls are immoral, that won't fund the wall? Or the 30,000 violent sexual assaults by illegal immigrants, the 90% of heroin that crosses that border that costs Americans 300 deaths a week on average? Or... You know, does it matter the 100,000 violent assaults, the 30,000 violent sexual assaults by illegal immigrants in a two-year period? Does that matter? You know, it's just, again, where's the intellectual honesty? It doesn't exist. All right, 25 now to the top of the hour. Look, it's all predictable. It's sad. It's intellectually lazy. And and frankly, it's it, it just it, all this is is another Russia, Russia, another stormy, stormy. Another collusion, collusion. Another s-hole, s-hole. Another racist, racist. Another Trump's to blame, Trump's to blame. You know, I mean, it's so sick.
All of this happens over the weekend. Nobody talks ever about Chicago, Detroit, New York, Baltimore violence. You never hear about it. These are cities run by Democrats for decades. You know, you don't hear about, okay, well, why does the president want to build the wall? Now, the president's explained it many, many times. Why? Because, well, in a two-year period, uh, illegal immigrant criminals have committed 4,000 homicides against Americans and 30,000 violent sexual assaults against Americans and 100,000 violent assault incidents against Americans. That would be a pretty compelling reason to build the wall. It'd be a pretty compelling reason because 90% of the heroin that takes about 300 American lives a week comes into this country vis-a-vis that southern border. Now, you can add fentanyl to the list of, of killing drugs that crosses the border. and But, okay, by their logic, do we go, turn around and say those that are against building the wall are responsible for any crime committed by any illegal immigrant that crosses into this country because they failed to solve the problem? I mean, by their logic, yes. By their logic, Bernie Sanders is responsible for the shooter in the incident involving Steve Scalise, Republicans preparing and practicing for a softball game. The logic is it is so intellectually lazy and dumb and stupid. By the way, this didn't take long. Fox News now has reported that the DNC, they're actually fundraising off the weekend tragedies, the mass shootings in El Paso and Dayton, and now seeking donations for the fight to, quote, prevent gun violence and save lives. The email was sent to supporters signed by former Representative Gabby Giffords, encouraging donors to split a donation of 10 to $200 between the DNC and Giffords PAC. Friends, the email begins, we can't afford to wait another day, another massacre to happen in our country for lawmakers to address this. Yet the defenders of the status quo, the gun manufacturing lobby, every single politician who is paid to defend it will tell you that horrific acts of violence are beyond our control. I'm telling you today, nothing can be further from the truth. Well, the most liberal cities where there's the most gun violence happen to be gun-free zones for the most part, with some of the strictest firearms legislation in the country. Apparently, it doesn't work the way they say. You know, we've got, for example, the networks are silent. We had two shootings that took place this weekend, the one in El Paso, and then hours later in Dayton, Ohio. And we've been able to learn some stuff about the Dayton, Ohio uh, shooter in that particular case, this guy, Connor Betts, well, he was not a Trump supporter. Public records indicate he was registered to vote as a Democrat. He had said, quote, I want socialism. I'll not wait for the idiots to finally come around to understanding, he tweeted out, according to some of the news reports, Washington Times among them. Vote blue, for God's sakes, he wrote on November 2nd, on the day of the Senator's death of John McCain, F. John McCain. Uh, Nets pretty silent. All these people, all of these Democrats that are racing to politicize what happened in El Paso, they're quiet. Why? Because this doesn't fit their narrative. It's like there are no I believers with the lieutenant governor in the great Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, there's no Democrats that want obstruction charges against Hillary. Uh, when she does have an underlying crime with her subpoenaed emails, you see how this works. It's only it's good if you can politicize something to bludgeon the president. But if it works against you, then forget it. You know, almost all of these presidential candidates, you know, almost immediately doing the exact same thing, just like the the and the networks, the media mob, the same predictable 
statements coming from them every time. Bernie Sanders. Well, I didn't blame Bernie for what happened in the ball field, nor should anybody have blamed Bernie for that. You know, Sanders is, you know, joining the chorus of, of, of intellectually lazy people politicizing tragedy for their own gains. How about something other? You know, what would what was so bad with Hannity's idea if we want to stop school shootings that we literally surround the perimeter of every school in the country with retired police and retired military? We can pay them in a very creative way. We can let them work any other job they want tax free. And then this way they get to keep all that money if they're willing to put in, say, 15 hours donated every week. And, of course, we got Biden expressing condolences for the shooting victims in Houston and Michigan this weekend. I I don't even have time to go there. Um, Or what about, you know, Cory Booker? And I want to say with more moral clarity, Donald Trump is responsible for this. Okay, then who's responsible for Dayton, Mr. Booker, based on your logic and your thinking? You know, or Beto Bozo O'Rourke, same thing. You know, I'll say it. He's a white nationalist. No, he's not a white nationalist. And he said it numerous times that that he's condemned it, including this morning. You know, then you got Chucky Todd. It's worth repeating and noting. Last week, we asked President Trump's if whether President Trump's racial resentment rhetoric was a political issue for Republicans. Now we have to ask whether his harsh words are actually inspiring violence. Okay, if you're going to ask that, are you going to take the socialistic mindset new green deal people and put that on the dayton shooter because if that's the case that's the way if you're intellectually consistent that's the way it's going to go and why don't we ever hear the body count that goes up every single weekend in every major big city run by big liberals for decades you never hear about the violence the names the families the people that are victim part of our american family Are they not worthy of of similar coverage when I'm talking about 46, seven people shot dead this weekend in Chicago, 46 others wounded? I haven't heard a peep out of any of these same presidential candidates or the media mob about any of that, you know, or Buttigieg. Our country's under attack by white nationalist terrorism, by the way. You know, this was all part of the the every two, four years. Republicans are racist, sexist, misogynist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic. They want dirty air and water. They want to kill children and they want grandma and grandpa to either eat dog food or cat food before they throw them or Paul Ryan lookalike will throw granny over the cliff and and cliff and kill her. That's how it's every one of these people that have commented about. Well, Donald Trump's rhetoric, Donald Trump has caused this because he wants to build the wall, etc. Well, you can turn around and say those that are supporting socialism, they've, they've all done the same thing. Elizabeth Warren, we need to call it out. Fox News is a hate for profit machine that gives a megaphone to racist and conspiracy theorists. I'm like, no, that would be you. You're the one that goes on, you know, Roswell, Rachel Maddow's conspiracy hour show regularly are you kidding me they they've perpetrated a lie and a hoax the likes of which we'd never seen before and then you got ocasio cortez and and i mean they're just the same predictable liberals playing the same predictable game and politicizing the same predictable tragedies that happen 
never looking into the deeper cause of, you know, which is multifaceted. There's not one simplistic answer. Al Gore's earth in the balance, as dumb as it was, was not responsible for Ted Kaczynski. You know, Bernie Sanders' dumb socialist ideas was not responsible for one of his his supporters to go out there and shoot Republicans playing baseball. You know, the fact that this idiot in Dayton, Ohio, turns out to be a socialist Democrat, I don't blame any of the 2020 Democratic presidential candidates for that. You know, I love how Hollywood gets into all of this as well. Same same predictable rhetoric. The John Wick actor, whoever, whatever his name is, you know, is out. I blame Trump. I'm sick of my thoughts and prayers. Another one. Rob Reiner, meathead. Another mass shooting. Another white nationalist. There are not there are not fine people on both sides. Oh, well, you're demonizing everybody. And meanwhile, I didn't hear anybody criticize Madonna for thinking an awful lot about blowing up the White House. I didn't hear any of these same people talk about Johnny Depp. What was the last time an actor killed the president? Maybe it's time. I didn't hear many of these people on the left or in the media mob uh, going after Kathy Griffin for the severed head incident. It did cost her her job at fake news CNN only because the pressure was brought to bear on that particular case. Um, There's a lot of factors and reasons. I can't explain evil. I don't have the capacity. I just know it's there. It needs to be dealt with. Yeah, mental illness is a part of it. That's part of the equation, because when you really define mental illness, you can't shoot anybody. If you have a heart, a soul, a conscience, um, and, and any governor that exists internally that would stop normal people. By definition, if you're killing anybody, there's something deeply wrong with you on, on, a, on a multitude of levels. doesn't exonerate you. It's not an excuse for what you do. But it certainly is what it is. You know, I don't see the, the Democratic, the, the Democrats out there can, condemning Antifa very much. I didn't see a lot of condemnation of Black Lives Matters, uh, you know, when Time.com put out there that, yeah, that they were invited to the Obama White House. Well, I wouldn't have invited them there and I wouldn't invite Al Sharpton there either. And all the things Al Sharpton said, and yet every one of these hypocritical 2020 candidates, they're they're kissing Al Sharpton's ring. They want Al Sharpton's endorsement. Meanwhile, the president today will play it later. You know, white supremacy condemns today, calls for mental health, gun reforms after the shooting. You know, in uh, we're one nation. We must condemn racism, bigotry, white supremacy, no matter how many times he said it in the campaign. If he didn't say it every time they asked him to say it, somehow he must support the insanity of of these these white supremacist jackasses that exist out there. But that would also include Louis Farrakhan, a virulent anti-Semite. Well, that's right. There was a picture of Obama and him. Nobody seemed to care that that Barack Obama hung out with Ayers and Dorn of all days. September 11, 2001, New York Times before the terrorist attack that day. Yeah, had Ayers and, and Dorn and. And Bill Ayers saying, yeah, I wish we did more. Well, they were part of a group, the Weather Underground, and that group was responsible for the Capitol bombing and New York City police headquarters quarters and other places. Yeah, that's where Barack Obama started his campaign, his political career in his home. Or you're hanging out in the church of GD America, America's chickens coming home to roost. If you can bludgeon Trump, do it. 
if there's any hypocrisy on your side, let's just ignore that part. You know, look at the drug overdoses because of illegal drugs crossing our border. Does anyone care about the 15,482 drug overdoses in 2017 because of heroin that comes 90% across that border? You know, or any of the opioid statistics we can throw out. Anyone ever care about Operation Fast and Furious that actually the Obama administration, Biden administration, they gave guns to criminals, cartels, and other groups they didn't even put a, a, a tracking system in it, and it ends up killing Brian Terry. Are they responsible for that? It was pretty stupid, pretty dumb idea. How come we never hear about big city violence on a typical weekend? We don't know their names. Are their lives less important than the, than the, the tragedy and the death and the murder and demise of this weekend? It doesn't matter what the sick, twisted, ugly ideology that foments hatred and violence. It is what it is. And it's got to be stopped. And the same predictable, we need a gun control debate, which is going to be the same arguments and the same results, isn't going to change anything. I've suggested that we put armed guards, as I said, police, retired, military, retired. I'd surround the perimeter of every school in the country. But I guess, you know, that would mean actually caring. All the talk about Donald Trump. Well, there's news out today. Atlantic Magazine economic statistic that is unbelievably great for this country. University of Michigan's Consumer Sentiment Index, they looked at, you know, which peak in, in 112 in 1999 hovered above the 90s for four years. Their conclusion is black unemployment in America has fallen to its lowest rate on record and the unemployment rate for black teenagers, which peaked at 48.9%, in 2010 has plunged to yet another record low. Thank God. By the way, eight Covington Catholic teens who most egregious high-profile individuals, you know, the media got that wrong too. They got UVA wrong. They've got Duke Lacrosse wrong. They got Ferguson wrong. They got Cambridge wrong. They've got Baltimore wrong. You know, I would actually hope that maybe I have an idea for the president take Baltimore and say, okay, that's going to be my Woolman Rink project. I'll show you liberal cities how to fix it. Call Bernie Marcus. Get all the materials it costs from Home Depot. We'll bulldoze those 17,000 structures that are not inhabitable. We'll get rid of the rats and mice and rodents. And then we'll start rebuilding the city house by house. We'll hire the best contractors. We'll hire people that are out of work in Baltimore. And then when the president can get that finished, then we'll hand it over to liberal cities like San Francisco and Chicago and New York and some of the areas that need it most. I don't see solutions that are brought up very often by any of these people. It's just, can we bludgeon Trump? It's all about bludgeoning, politicizing a tragedy for their own corrupt benefit. It's not out of any other reason, because if they cared, we'd hear about it every weekend from every big city. And it does need to stop. But they don't care. They can't use it to bludgeon Trump. So why bother? Selective, feigned, phony, moral outrage. Let's solve the problem. I'll sit at the table with anybody and talk about it. Because it, it can be solved. It must be solved. We have a responsibility to solve it. Not politicize it. <laughs> 
Ashwin, I want to ask you about a conversation you and I had a couple of months ago, which really went viral after we talked about it. And it was about talking about an informant having a conversation with George Papadopoulos, which you actually saw the transcript, and we have not seen that transcript. It's still classified, and I'm wondering why not. You said that's a game changer, that, that one transcript. It certainly has the potential to be why you haven't seen it yet. I, I am lost. Um, I am clueless. It is, uh, it is not that level of classification that's going to impact relationships with our allies. It goes to a fundamental precept we have in this country when there is exculpatory information, information tending to show a person did not commit a crime, uh, that that information is every bit as important as any inculpatory. George Papadopoulos told me last night that the memo and the transcript that you're referring to is from a conversation that he had with Stephen Halper, and it was in London. It was at the Sofitel Hotel in London, where Stephen Halper said something to him like, well, you know, Russia has all these uh, transcript, uh, all these emails of Hillary Clinton, and you know, when they get out, that'd be really good for you, right? Would you help? That would be really good for you and, and the Trump campaign if all those emails got out, right? And George Papadopoulos answered and said, that's crazy. Are you kidding me? That would be treason. People get hanged for stuff like that. I would never do something like that. That is the transcript that George Papadopoulos told me is still classified. Now, I know you can't admit if that's it or not, but let me just say, if that is basically the conversation, that should have been given to the FISA court, right? That should have made public to at least show us that George Papadopoulos had that question asked of him and he said are you nuts that's treason but it also speaks to what the FBI and the department were doing back in 2016 was their target Russia or was their target the Trump campaign we're not going to know until you yep. make the transcripts public the one you reference is a single transcript they're going to be others uh, our two Sean Hannity show what an exchange that was Maria Baratiromo uh, my Fox colleague also does the Fox Business Network morning show she has done some amazing interviews on all of this Trey Gowdy's admission here about exculpatory information evidence. I have known about this for the longest time and it has still not been released. And from what I understand, it is George Papadopoulos, maybe tapes, definitely transcripts, likelihood tapes, but definitely transcripts of him saying things that are completely exculpatory as it relates to him and his case. And remember, it was not only Stefan Halper, as we know, remember, there were numerous ways now they, they were spying on the Trump campaign, the deep state. We're getting to the bottom of that as quickly as we possibly can. We know that Professor Misfoot, for example, was not Russian intelligence, even though that's in the Mueller report. He was a part of Western intelligence. We know that there was an engagement. Was it only by the FBI? Was it by the CIA? As it relates to spying on Americans associated with the Trump campaign abroad. This is set. This is a spying operation separate and apart from the FISA memo, the dirty Russian dossier that Hillary bought and paid for that the New York Times says was probably Russian disinformation from the get go. If that's true, Trey Gowdy's comment that he just made that they were probably targeting the Trump campaign from the beginning. In other words, if the Russians knew what they were giving Christopher Steele, the 99 percent of lies and dirt on Donald Trump, and they knew Hillary was paying for it and they knew it was going to be 
part of the election, then they were helping Hillary. They weren't helping Donald Trump, as has been a media lie narrative for two and a half years. Now, the question is, what is it, what it, what is available in these papers that they were talking about? And are there tapes available? Because if that's the case and we have Professor Mifsud and we have Stefan Halper going after Carter Page and Papadopoulos and Sam Clovis, then we've got a whole different story that has now emerged here. And I know last week, many of you listening to this show, when we find out Michael Horowitz has handed over to the Attorney General Barr areas for possible prosecution of Jim Comey, some of you are apoplectic that hasn't happened. Well, there are very good reasons why it hasn't happened. Apparently, there's a lot going on with Europe, including the issue that I have brought up for a long time. Did Was there outsourcing of intelligence gathering on American citizens by high echelon officials in the intelligence community because they couldn't do it legally. So, huh, let's circumvent American law. We'll outsource it to Italy. We'll outsource it to Great Britain. We'll outsource it to Australia. We'll outsource it to other allies. You do this for me, you spy on this American, and I'll spy on this citizen for you. The only problem is you're shredding the Constitution and the rule of law in the process. The person most impacted by all of this is George Papadopoulos himself. Uh, He and his wife, Simona, join us uh, now. There's a lot to absorb here. I also know that you guys know more about this than anybody else otherwise would. Do you know the specific paper that they're talking about? By the way, good to have you both back. George, do you know what that paper is? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for having us, Sean. It's always great to be on your show. Thank you. Um, what I what I think is going on here is that um, well, I, I look at the Loretta Lynch testimony that she gave a couple months back, um, around or I, I should say eight months ago. Eight months ago, there were four witnesses that were invited to testify in front of the House Oversight Committee, in front of Mark Meadows and John Radcliffe, and those four and those four names were Papadopoulos, Lynch, Yates, and Comey. So clearly. I, there was some massive surveillance abuse going on against me, and that's exactly why Mark Meadows and John Radcliffe wanted to bring me in and compare my testimony to those heavyweights at the DOJ under Obama. So Lynch in her testimony stated that there were four ongoing FISA investigations against four different members of the campaign, not just Carter Page. They included myself, Michael Flynn, and Paul Manafort. That's why I always suspected that I had a FISA warrant on me as well, and why upon Basically, immediately upon joining the campaign in March of 2016, I have four different countries running four different spies at me within two months. So I think what's going to come out from part of these transcripts are going to be me and Stefan Helper, me and Azra Turk, this uh, this blonde spy that... By the way, that's the blonde bombshell. I don't know if I'd want to put Simona in the same room as her now, knowing what we now know. Um, By the way, I can joke with George and Simona because they've become friends of mine. Um, But um, Simona, there's some truth to what I just said. I'm just guessing, right? Yes, absolutely. And uh, I am actually right now connecting with you from Italy, one of the country was clearly spy on George. Yeah, by the way, you're Trump connecting campaign. from the country. You're not Russian. Please, everybody write you're no, Russian. Exactly. You're not. I, I had a beautiful pizza today with my Italian, very Italian <laughs> family. <laughs> 
And oh, that's funny. Uh, I, I actually, I remember I was on your show exactly one year ago, breaking mm-hmm. the news that Mifsud is actually connected to Italian intelligence and Western intelligence. And you gave me a platform to do that. Only Fox News gave me a platform to say the truth. Uh, because all other channels were simply cutting me off and uh, delivering, uh, you know, partial distorted uh, messages of uh, what I said. So it's very important uh, for us uh, seeing also President Trump's tweet a few days ago endorsing George Book. It's uh, the biggest validation because the truth is finally coming out and we are really relieved and happy about that. And, uh, you know, well, how- I think. I think no, this I'm is important. Country, I don't important. know why. We are very I just grateful. I I listen to you both, and I I have a a pretty good track record when I when I talk to people behind the scenes, and then I talk to other people, my other sources. But I had heard, uh, I don't, and I'll go back to George for this part, that Trey Gowdy is by re- by asking for the release of this FBI transcript, that the exculpatory information that was gathered during this time when they were doing all of this to you that and there are likely other transcripts and i'm also told that there are tapes and this is what i this is what sources have told me and i've known this now for quite some time is that when you were specifically asked if you knew about anything involving russia and trump and and whether you were involved in it that you actually said something to the effect i am paraphrasing that you would view any such activities as traitorous, and no, I'm not a traitor to my country. Sean, that's that's absolutely right, and that's exactly what I told this person and many other people. Now that I look back, of course, uh, during those uh, bizarre years between 2015 and 2017, where I had people like Stefan Halper and others basically probing me and asking me these bizarre questions, I would just give them the same answer, that what you're talking about is treason. Uh, Donald Trump loves uh, America. He's running for the presidency because he loves this country. I'm helping his campaign because I love this country. And in fact, no one is going to be helping any foreign country because Donald Trump himself didn't even want to go on a foreign policy trip during the campaign. So where all these informants and spies uh, started asking these bizarre questions and uh, trying to not only probe individual members of the campaign, but also then embed themselves within the campaign and transition team, that's a serious problem. You know, people are forgetting that Stefan Helper uh, not only was spying on individuals in the campaign, but then he eventually joined the transition team. Who sent him to join the transition team? And was he going to be another White House uh, spy by by Comey or McCabe or one of these people running him. So I think these are the major issues uh, going on here. Uh, I, of course, um, it, it, not uh, including exculpatory evidence against any American, especially when you're trying to obtain the most intrusive uh, warrant in history. The FISA is definitely a damning scandal, and you're probably going to see uh, the hammer fall on a lot of these uh, individuals from the DOJ under Obama. But we need to look at the big picture here. And the big picture here is that we had not only the FBI, but all the CIA and U.S. allies colluding in tandem to bring down candidate Trump and how he ended up winning and, uh, you know, succeeding and being able to unleash the chains from this uh, Mueller uh, probe is, in my opinion, a, a miracle, and I'm very happy to see that uh, he's on offense Did, now. Do you remember? The- do you remember specifically saying when it, when the issue of Trump, Russia, collusion, etc., your involvement, that you would consider something traitorous, something I such told, as that? 
Absolutely. I told Stefan Helper to his face that uh, what you're even referencing is not only comical, but it's uh, traitorous and it's, uh, it's treason. And I have nothing to do with it, and neither does uh, the campaign. And uh, what I basically saw happen was I saw him getting very uh, violent and, and mean, and uh, he started to sweat a lot. So I saw that there was something off about my meeting with this person. And if there are tapes of this, and you're definitely going to see transcripts of it, I want uh, America to see them. I think uh, it's in the national interest to see what the FBI and possibly the CIA was up to during the 2016 campaign, because if we don't expose what happened, it might happen next year. And next year is coming right mm -hmm. around the corner. Well, I mean, the fact that you, you know, had to go through all of this. Uh, when, I, when we come back, I do want to ask you one question about what happened last week with Comey, considering, well, you went through... So you went through a long period of time living in your own personal hell, culminating with two weeks in jail, um, which to this day, I don't regret the advice I gave you because I know what could have otherwise happened. But certainly I don't believe that you were sentenced fairly or justly. And I do believe you should get an overturn of that at some point. We'll get to that in a second. All right. As we continue, George Papadopoulos, his wife, Simona, are with us. Uh, huge developments if, in fact, we get this information released, which I think is going to happen. Let me ask you both. We see that the inspector general, again, the, the Horowitz report on FISA abuse delayed, but we do know that there was a recommendation for potential prosecution of Jim Comey. One, for being less than honest, lying to the FBI and others. Two, a violation of the Espionage Act with those letters that he removed that were confidential. Uh, that's illegal. What was your reaction that the that the AG is at this point decided not to go forward? Simone, I'll ask you first, because I think you get more angry than George over this stuff. And I think I, <laughs> I share your anger more than him. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think Connie should be prosecuted and also should be held responsible for all these uh, illegal uh, things engaged in to and uh, being responsible for fabricating uh, um, mm -hmm. lies. Uh, to inculpate uh, everybody around uh, Trump, uh, it's just a, a vulneration to democracy. It's against the value of the United States, and it's even worse. When well, it let comes me ask George because we're, we're running out of like time. And George, I mm -hmm. think there are deeper issues in play. I'm guessing, and I also have sources. I think uh, what I mean, I can't, of course, speak for Attorney General Barr, but uh, just looking at why he uh, didn't uh, de decide to prosecute, I think he has a uh, bigger fish to fry. And to get higher up than Comey, I think you're looking at Brennan and the CIA, actually. In my, in my opinion, what I think you're going to see coming out of this is that the CIA was running the show, and they were feeding in disinformation to the FBI, or the FBI willy, willfully knew that the information was wrong in order to obtain FISA warrants and other wiretaps against Americans and the political campaign in the United States. And the CIA, of course, was... Uh, using the foreign governments abroad that you referenced earlier to basically spy on us as well. I think well, it was the right move. I don't think, uh, and I think... Uh, it, it's going to uh, run a lot deeper. What happened when you were abroad and what happened internally with FISA, it's it's very deep. we got to get to the root cause of it all the way to the bottom, and I think we're going to get there. Thank you, George. Simona Papadopoulos, we appreciate you being with us. Thank you Thank so you much. so much, Hans. 800 Sean, you want to be on the program. We're going to continue in this vein. We have David Schoen, the criminal defense civil libertarian attorney you're going to join us next director Mueller, can you state with confidence mm -hmm. that the steel dossier was not part of russia's disinformation campaign no as i said in the uh, my opening statement i uh, 
that uh, part of the uh, building of the case was predated me and by at least 10 months. Yeah, I mean, Paul Manafort's alleged uh, crimes regarding tax evasion predated you. You had no problem charging them. And matter of fact, it, 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 this Steele dossier predated the attorney general, and he didn't have any problem answering the question. When Senator Cornyn asked the attorney general the exact question I asked you, director, the attorney general said, and I'm quoting, no. I can't state that with confidence, and that's one of the areas I'm reviewing. I'm concerned about it, and I don't think it's entirely speculative. Now, if something is not entirely speculative, then it must have some factual basis, but you identify no factual basis regarding the dossier or the possibility that it was part of the Russia disinformation campaign. Now, Christopher Steele's reporting is referenced in your report. Steele reported to the FBI that senior Russian foreign ministry figures, among with other, along with other Russians, told him that there was, and I'm quoting from the Steele dossier, extensive evidence of conspiracy between the Trump campaign team and the Kremlin. So here's my question. Did Russians really tell that to Christopher Steele, or did he just make it all up and was he lying to the FBI? Uh, let me back up a second if I could and say, as I uh, said earlier, uh, with regard to the Steele, uh, that uh, that's beyond my purview. No, it is exactly your purview, Director Mueller, and here's why. Only one of two things is possible, right? Either Steele made this whole thing up and there were never any Russians telling him of this vast criminal conspiracy that you didn't find, or Russians lied to Steele. Now, if Russians were lying to Steele to undermine our confidence in our duly elected president, that would seem to be precisely your purview because you stated in your opening that the organizing principle was to fully and thoroughly investigate Russia's interference. But you weren't interested in whether or not Russians were interfering through Christopher Steele. And if Steele was lying, then you should have charged him with lying like you charged a variety of other people. But you say nothing about this in your report. And you're on page 103? 103, that's correct, volume two. When you talk about the, the firm that produced the steel reporting, uh, the name of the firm that produced that was Fusion GPS. Is that correct? Well, I, I'm not familiar uh, uh, with, uh, with that. I, well, uh, let, you, let me just help you. Uh, it, it was. It's not, it's not a trick question. Right? It, it was Fusion GPS. Now, Fusion GPS produced the opposition research document widely known as the Steele dossier, and the owner of Fusion GPA was uh, someone named Glenn Simpson. Are, are you familiar with? Yeah, that's just outside my purview. Okay. Um, Glenn Simpson was never mentioned in the 448-page Mueller report, was he? Well, it's, as I say, it's outside my purview, and it's being handled in the department by others. Okay. Well, he, he was not. Uh, 448 pages, the, the owner of Fusion GPS uh, that did the Steele dossier that started all this, uh, he, he's not mentioned in there. Let me move on. Uh, at the same time, uh, Fusion GPS was working to collect opposition research on Donald Trump uh, from foreign sources on behalf of the Clinton campaign and the Democratic National Committee. It also was representing a Russian-based company Prevazon, which had been sanctioned by the U.S. government. Uh, are you aware of that? It's outside my purview. Okay, thank you. One of the key players uh, in the, I'll go to something different. Um, one of the key players in the June 2016 Trump Tower meeting was Natalia Vizinetska, uh, who you described in your report as a Russian attorney who advocated uh, for the repeal of the Magnitsky Act. 
Vizinetskia had been working with none other than Glenn Simpson and Fusion GPS since at least early 2014. Um, are, are you aware of that? Outside my purview. There again and again, I was uh, phenomenal questioning by uh, Matt Gates, Freedom Caucus member against Robert Mueller. I mean, it is it's mind numbing what he doesn't know, what he didn't know, uh, what he didn't dig into. I mean, the whole fact that we now have the paper of so-called record in America, the New York Times saying it was likely Russian disinformation from the get go. That means Hillary's dossier. Well, that would shift and change and alter would be a complete 180 of what the narrative has been, which is Russia interfered to try and help elect Donald Trump. But if they knew that dirty dossier was paid for by Hillary and they helped fuel the, the lies in that dossier uh, that they knew were lies, that would mean that they kind of were helping Hillary, which kind of makes sense considering they already knew Hillary was weak when it comes to Putin and Russia. And Donald Trump was a little bit of an unknown and Donald Trump kept talking about energy independence. That's the lifeblood of the entire Russian economy. You want to bring Putin to his knees, he's a hostile actor. You want to bring Russia to its knees, they're a hostile regime. We beat them by one, It's without ever firing a shot, by outproducing them with oil and gas and figuring out ways to get it to our Western European allies at prices that defeat what the Russians will sell it for. Even if it's a little more, considering they don't want to give control to a hostile actor, it would be worth every penny. Anyway, joining us now is David Schoen. He is a criminal uh, defense attorney, civil liberties attorney, and he's been all over all of these issues. He also has become somewhat of an expert on Andrew Weissman, who I think over time is going to get more scrutiny than anybody knows, and we will be proven to be way ahead of the curve on that. First, your initial reaction to the tapes you just heard. I thought Matt Gates did a phenomenal job. I thought he did a terrific job. We saw everything there from Mueller. We saw how out of it he was, unfortunately. It's a tragic case with Mueller. But we also saw his unwillingness or inability to answer basic questions. Listen, he refused to answer the question as to whether they ever interviewed Steele. There's absolutely no reason that question couldn't be answered. Steele's all over the report. It's a travesty. What we saw here, Matt Gates uh, demonstrated it. We saw it throughout his testimony is that not only was he out of it, but this was both an investigation and a report with an agenda from the start. Um, and we can't forget, they directed his team, Weissman, and the rest of his team directed the investigation where they wanted it to be, threatened witnesses the way they wanted to threaten them. And the report reflects nothing more than enemies of Donald Trump having an opportunity to give a narrative on what the, you know they would like the world to be. How is it possible, and look, you, you've you been following this story with all of us, you've been part of our ensemble team, you have understood the people, the players, especially on, on Mueller's side, better than almost anybody else out there uh, because of your background in criminal defense uh, work that you have done, the tactics, the techniques. How do you ignore the dirty Russian dossier that the New York Times now is saying it was likely Russian disinformation from the beginning? How do you ignore that when that was the main crux of your mandate and then the mandate was broad enough to spread out into FARA violations, which are almost never prosecuted, and decades-old tax returns and taxi medallions and, you know, loan applications that people lie on. By the way, pay your taxes. Don't lie on loan applications. Good lessons for everybody. Don't lie to the FBI. Unless you're Jim Comey or Hillary Clinton, then you'll be okay. But how is it possible he ignored all of that? Why would he have ignored all of that? Meaning well, Mueller and his team. 
It's not possible if he followed the law to ignore it. Uh, this is all exculpatory evidence had to be at the heart of it. This is probably a reason special counsel shouldn't have been appointed. There's a process under the special counsel regulations to conduct an investigation before he's ever appointed. But listen, I, I, you know, I'm not a fan of Robert Mueller. I know uh, very well that he knew who Andrew Weissman was and every other member of this team when he picked them from a universe of lawyers who could have been fair and independent. He chose Andrew Weissman. Andrew Weissman, he chose to be his right-hand man at the FBI after Andrew Weissman was cited by Chief Judge Sifton for unethical conduct, withholding evidence. This is his trademark, withholding exculpatory evidence. So Weissman didn't ignore it. He knew it was there. You can be sure. He was a part of it. He, he, he was briefed early on with Bruce Orr and so on. So it's just crooked what they did. I'd like to give Mueller the benefit of the doubt and think, you know, he just wasn't engaged. So he didn't ignore it. Um, his team clearly did. Listen to another thing Mueller said. Mueller was asked, were you aware that Jeannie Ray was Hillary he didn't know. lawyer? He, he said he didn't know. Jeannie Ray comes from his law firm. You think it was a secret at his law firm that Jeannie Ray and others were representing Hillary Clinton? Not likely. Let me ask you this, because um, I watched, and I like you, when he didn't know who Jeannie Ray was, and he didn't know what Fusion GPS was, he knew clearly <laughs> little about steel. Then the week prior, we had learned that it was Weissman that did all the hiring. Then we learned that Weissman, within two weeks of Mueller's appointment, was trying to negotiate a deal with a, a Russian oligarch who we wanted to desperately charge and put in prison, that if he can give him any dirt on Donald Trump, that all his charges would go away. I, you know, but to me, that's kind of bribery. I know it's a prosecutorial tactic that is used, but I think anytime you give somebody anything of value for testimony and you kind of tell them what you want, that it is a form of bribery, especially when you're offering people to get out of jail free card. But putting that aside, you knew Andrew Weissman. I think you and Sidney Powell are the two people that know Andrew Weissman. He ran the show, apparently. What do you say to people about Andrew Weissman? I say that people need to look at his history. This isn't something about the Mueller team. This is Andrew Weissman has a history that goes back decades. I have a case right now. Case originates in 1992. The violations of the law that he committed are absolutely shocking. And every American should want to know about it because this is a person who is put in charge of investigation of the president of the United States. I'm talking about withholding exculpatory evidence routinely. He's the only prosecutor in that whole team in those cases in the early 90s who was cited by the chief judge for his ethical violations. He was given protexia then. The United States attorney for the Eastern District of New York wrote a letter to the judge saying, please, you could hurt this man's uh, career. Please withdraw his name from the order. The order was withdrawn and his name was taken out. I have both copies of it. But he lied to about whether witnesses he was using were paid. He flatly said one wasn't paid. We now know he was paid $125,000. On and on and on. That's his history. I'm bringing a motion for a new trial uh, for two defendants who remained in prison because of Andrew Weissman and a partner of Andrew Weissman uh, in that same office. And the judges overlooked it at the time. Every single defendant who had the evidence that Andrew Weissman withheld got acquitted after this case. There's still two men who never got a fair trial. Who were explain to me, explain to me the exact specific. Let's talk specificity here. Explain exactly what Weissman was cited for by these judges. Now, I've laid out the history of 
of Enron Accounting and the tens of thousands of jobs lost. I've, I've, I've explained Sidney Powell's book, License to Lie, and the withholding of exculpatory evidence. I've explained the lost 9-0 in the Supreme Court. I've explained Merrill executives sent to jail for a year only to be overturned by the Fifth Circuit. But explain specifically what the judge said about Andrew Weissman and exculpatory evidence. Because of what Weissman did in this case, the FBI's guidelines on the handling of informants was changed completely. Weissman oversaw a team uh, that included an FBI agent who was probably the most crooked FBI guy. After this case, he was then indicted for several murders in Brooklyn. The case during the course of the trial blew up because they said one witness gave an inconsistent statement. But that FBI agent had a deal with the underboss of one of the mafia families in New York, so-called. That man was a guy named Gregory Scarpa. Scarpa's son has given detail after detail of the corrupt relationship. In any event, a doctor... But is, is he someone that can be trusted? But why did the judge... Well, we'll pick it up yeah. on the other side. But why did the judge specifically cite Weissman on, on the exculpatory evidence thing? More with uh, attorney David Schoen. Uh, top of the hour, we'll check in with our, our friend, uh, Jennifer, uh, Jonathan Gillum, and uh, much more. Also, uh, this woman, she's the widow of a gentleman who was murdered by terrorists in San Bernardino. She's been on the show before in light of the horrible news over the weekend. Um, you get very different perspectives in the fact that everyone wants to politicize these shootings, just frankly disgusting and predictable, sadly. All right, final moments. Attorney uh, David Schoen is with us, and I, I want you to go. The judge citing Andrew Weissman withholding exculpatory evidence. How many cases are we talking about, and specifically about what? And you have a minute to do it, David. Primarily right now, the two def- there are two defendants who remain in prison in two separate cases um, because of what Weissman did. Specifically, what the judge cited was Weissman refused to disclose the corrupt relationship between an FBI agent and a mafia killer. Um, another assistant U.S. attorney told Weissman, this is stuff that should be turned over to the defense, of course. Weissman declined to turn it over expressly, and the judge cited him for his checkered ethics and suggested that he be reported to the bar. Um, that, that, that one incident scr- doesn't scratch the surface of what he did in the cases that went to trial. Absolute lies. He knew the FBI agent was lying. How did he get away with all of this? How is that possible? And were organized crime cases, and the judges were willing to look the other way. However, he didn't, because it was a very good judge, Judge Corman, who required the information to come forward, and every defendant was acquitted. 16 people, 48 different jurors in four cases um, heard the evidence that he had withheld and acquitted the defendants. Unbelievable. And yet he still goes on. And I hear he's writing a book, David. Uh, that ought to he's, be interesting. I wonder if he'll come on this show. I doubt it. Um, David Schoen, thank you. Investigation. Thank you. All right, news uh, roundup, information overload hour. We'll go back to our top story, the shootings and the politicizing of shootings that went on this weekend. It it should make everybody just sick to their stomach. We'll get to that. We'll have full coverage of all of this tonight at 9 on Hannity on Fox News. And, yeah, coverage you won't get anywhere else. Quick break. We'll come back. We're glad you are always with us. You give us this microphone and we'll continue. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. And I think that at the end of the day, especially because this was a white supremacist manifesto, uh, that I want to say with more moral clarity that Donald Trump is responsible 
for this. We have to have the capacity to call it as we see it. The facts, as John Adams said, are stubborn things. This kind of rhetoric unquestionably was going to, you've used the word accelerant, it was going to create a climate in which people were going to do unspeakable things. Because of the spoken word, people can do unspeakable things. You have no legitimacy and you have no standing until you have your own personal self-examination about the contributions that you have made to white nationalism and white supremacy and its rise in the United States of America. Uh, I don't. I mean, I know that white supremacists feel empowered with this president. I I know that. Um, it's clear they feel empowered when he attacks people. And our country is better than this. Our country is just better than this kind of divisive, racist talk by a president of the United States. We are in a cold civil war. We are in a cold civil war. And there's some people who bear the burden of it. Chuck, we have children in El Paso right now, right, who, who just witnessed their family members, their friends shot down because somebody thinks there's a Hispanic invasion of the country, which is almost the exact same language of the president of the United States. Donald Trump isn't, as you rightly note, he didn't pull the trigger, uh, but he embraces, along with a whole bunch of others, he embraces a view of America that, that some scholars will call inherent democracy. He thinks that this is, in fact, a white nation. And when you talk about Mexicans as criminals and rapists and the country under siege, you have unstable people who are going to see that as a sign that they have got to take up arms and do the horrific things that we just saw in El Paso. He's, he's been calling Mexican immigrants rapists and criminals. Um, I, I don't know, like members of the press, what the f***? Hold on a second. You know, uh, connect the dots about what he's been doing in this country. Um, he's not tolerating racism. He's promoting racism. He's not tolerating violence. He's inciting racism and violence in this country. Is it fair, John, to tie the president to this violence? Well, Dan, whether or not it's fair, he's going to have to answer those questions. The bottom line is this president has had a rhetoric on immigration and on immigrants uh, that has been deeply divisive. And this is going to be something that he is going to have to answer for. All right. News Roundup and Information Overload Hour, Sean Hannity Show. And of course, the president today saying in one voice, our nation must condemn racism, bigotry, white supremacy, things that he has said in the past, but of course ignored. Um, there are so many different angles. Obviously, you've got the whole blame game, the Elizabeth Warren blaming Fox News, blaming the president, uh, Bernie Sanders, Beto O'Rourke is a white nationalist again and again and again. And, you know, it's it's the same predictable thing that happens. Um We've offered solutions nobody ever wants to hear what we've offered in terms of, for example, school shootings. It would also impact places like Walmart and other places, any public places, movie theaters, wherever it happens to be. I like the idea of here you have trained professionals, former military people, former law enforcement people that I think can secure any perimeter, any building, any place, any time. And yes, they're armed. Um, that would be helpful. Uh, unfortunately, there are sick people, twisted, ugly people that have these distorted views, have been indoctrinated into whatever sick philosophy they have, including white supremacists, radical is Islamics. Uh, then you have the Ted Kaczynski Al Gore worshipers out there or the Bernie Sanders guy that is shooting guys up in a ball field, Republicans. 
And I said, in each of these cases, no, I'm not going to do what they did with the with the shooting in the ball field that nearly killed Steve Scalise. We know what happened in that case. Just because it's a Bernie supporter, Bernie doesn't support that, nor does President Trump support this, nor does Fox News support this, nor does Sean Hannity support this. Um, and it is just a cheap what they the just the cheap politicizing of tragedies, you know, over the weekend. And, and it's horrible. Who wants to turn on the news? I don't think that many of you know that. And it didn't take long to find it. There were 46 gunshot deaths in places like Chicago, New York, Baltimore and Detroit. When this weekend? How, how many other people know that? And those reports, by the way, that's just Friday and Saturday. I don't know about others that were shot on Sunday. And this happens almost every weekend. The media can't politicize it. They never talk about it. Um, nine people killed in, in Dayton, as we all know. And we know the tragedy of El Paso. I haven't seen any national coverage whatsoever. of The seven people who were shot dead in Chicago this weekend. Or the 46 others who were wounded. You know, why do I suspect that because that doesn't impact Donald Trump, that they don't want to talk about that as we have scrolling the names of people shot. And it goes on forever on television. I've done it a number of times. I'll, I'll do it again tonight. You know, it is it's beyond comprehension when people want to politicize tragedy. They're they're going to politicize tragedy and blaming Trump for mass shootings. Well, it has also prompted threats against his supporters. Uh, as the Washington exam, uh, Examiner pointed out, Trump advisor with 38 years law enforcement appeared on Fox, whatever. Yeah, a lot of death threats go out if you happen to be a conservative. Everybody seems to forget every top Democrat, I think, is rushed to politicize this event. But let's go back to December 2014. Black Lives Matter had a protest in New York City. Hundreds of protesters marching down the streets. What do we want, dead cops? When do we want them now? Or pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. Well, five months after all of that, in February of 2016, President Obama actually hosted Black Lives Matter's leader at the White House. And they were invited in. Why? I didn't see the same type of coverage in that particular case. There is a lot of hypocrisy to go around. Here's the thing that we've all got to understand. And it's sad. There are sick, ugly, evil ideologies out there. White supremacists among them. Nazi sympathizers among them. Klan members among them. Then you have the crazy Louis Farrakhan. Virulent anti-Semites. Racist. They exist too. Black Lives Matter. What do we want dead cops? When do we want them? Now. Then you've got environmental extremists. Kaczynski. Then you've got Bernie supporters. You cannot put the blame. It is so intellectually lazy what the media predictably does here. You know, look at, for example, if we look at the statistics, illegal immigrants, crime, the data, the 90 percent of heroin. And how many people did we lose in the last year? We have numbers for. Oh, in 2016, we lost 15,469 people to heroin. Ninety. 90% of that comes across the southern border. 15,482 comes across the southern border. I haven't heard any compassion, wonder, or desire when we talk about all the homicides in a two-year period that have taken place by illegal immigrant criminals or the 30,000 violent sexual assaults or the 100,000 violent assault assaults. 
That never gets discussed. It's no, if you, if you say you want a wall built with a big door, somehow that means you're racist. Anyway, here to discuss, we have Jonathan Gillum uh, back with us, former FBI agent, federal air marshal, author of the bestseller Sheep No More. And with us also, we welcome back to the program, a longtime friend of the program. We wish we met under better circumstances. Uh, Jennifer Falasinos is with us, and she is the widow of Nicholas, who, of course, was murdered by terrorists on December 2nd, 2015, San Bernardino. 14 people killed, 22 seriously injured. In that particular incident, it was in uh, a regional uh, center in San Bernardino, and that was a high-profile uh, shooting that took place. Jennifer, how are you doing? It's great to have you back. I, I wish we did meet under better circumstances at the time. Yes, definitely, but it's good to talk to you, Sean. Yeah, it's almost been four years since that happened, which is just unbelievable. At this time, I'm doing pretty good. Um, life's very different than it was, of course, when... Nick was alive. Um, I do have PTSD and things like what happened over the weekend, of course, affect it. Overall, I'm doing okay. I'm gearing up to start the new school year. I'm a first grade teacher. Well, I don't so. know if you ever get over something like that. I just, because you, you never expect that it's going to happen. And I know the people in Dayton and the people in El Paso are now going to go through all the pain and horror that you've been through the last four years. I like to look for solutions in these matters. And, and Jonathan, for example, the school shooting incidents, I know there's the rush always to politicize the incident. And then the rush is to say, well, what was the person's politics? Some people are just insane. It doesn't, it, 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 the politics doesn't matter. Um, it's just exactly. an excuse. It's just an excuse to, in this particular case, bludgeon Trump. For any reason, I don't believe that Bernie Sanders was responsible for the guy that shot up that baseball field and Steve Scalise that day and others. I just think that there are crazy people and they have whatever insanity and demons that they're dealing with. And the best antidote to this evil is we've got to protect our schools, our malls, our stores better than we have been. Short of that, it's going to be gun confiscation, which is the only thing that liberals ever bring up, Jonathan. Yeah. And, you know, I want to just say this real quick. What has happened this weekend? What happened this weekend? What happened uh, with the Bernie Sanders supporter, for instance, uh, that, that shot up the baseball field? I agree that we cannot throw the actual politicians under the bus when it comes to these people going out and doing these things. But I will say this, is look at the rhetoric that goes on after these things happen, and we can show that there's a direct correlation with a lot of these people that end up carrying out these acts of, te of terror. In the case of the San Bernardino shooting, the Islamic fundamentalists or radicals, whichever way you want to call them, and their rhetoric motivated those shooters. Just over the past 48 hours, politicians coming out and saying, white nationalists, white supremacists, blaming Trump, and that inflames the situation, and it's also lies. I read the, the entire manifesto from the guy from El Paso. I looked at the social media of the guy from Ohio. Neither one of these people were white supremacists. Their skin color was white. The one in Ohio was a leftist. He uh, was a supporter of Antifa. The guy in El Paso, in his manifesto, when he speaks about a race, and he mentions it four or five times, what he is saying is that he is afraid that governments and corporations are trying to get rid of the races so they can control people. That has 
nothing to do with white power. But you don't hear any of this stuff from these politicians. And that is dangerous. And that, we can say, has a direct correlation of motivating other people who are extremists. The extremism manifests itself in a whole host of ways. There is a rapid and scary rise, uh, Jennifer, as you know, of, of anti-Semitism, not just in Europe, but right here in the United States and an unwillingness of Congress to condemn virulent anti-Semitism. You know, that would be one. These white supremacist nationalist idiots, they're, they're, obviously they're people that you, are, are scary because of their sick, twisted, ugly beliefs. Those that believe that in a caliphate, which is convert or die and would be willing to strap bombs on their own children and promise them virgins in heaven, that's a scary ideology too. It's They're all, to me, a variation of the same thing theme sick twisted ugly evil i don't know what any other words to use to describe it evil exists the answer to me is very different than the predictable answers that are being brought forth after these incidents what do you say as somebody that had to live through this hell uh, exactly it, these people are pure evil the ones that are doing this and evil does exist in this world and i don't think these people some of the politicians and other people realize what's going on that way that there is evil in this world yeah, I don't understand why they come out on anything and saying it's that these people were Trump supporters and this and that, yet we have all this anti-Semitism going on. And we only have time for closing thoughts. Jennifer, we'll give you 30 seconds, your last words. We have to remember that, as you said, this country was founded on God and founded on Christian and Jewish principles. I think because we've gotten so far away from that, that's part of the reason why all of this evil is coming out now. And you just need to be vigilant when you're out. Be careful. Hopefully things will begin to turn around. For now, it's just it, we are living in a very scary world. You're in our prayers um, always, Jennifer. You hang in there. I know um, people are going through now exactly the sadness, the heartache, the pain that you went through four years ago. Jonathan, uh, about 20 seconds. By the way, Jonathan's book, Sheep No More, on Hannity.com. You know, we have a uh, saying in Special Forces uh, that I may not be able to save your life, but I will revenge your death if I can. And I want to promise Jennifer and all the other people out there that have lost loved ones, I will never, never allow this nonsense to continue in the aspect and uh, with any sense that I can do that. And I, I totally call on the American people to say the same thing. Be aware. Stand against lying politicians and don't let this continue. We can stop it. Thank you both so much for being with us. When we come back, we go to your calls toll free 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Quick break. Right back. Glad you're with us. We'll continue. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. We'll get to your calls here in a minute. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. One of the things that I've noticed about the corrupt media mob is they never really want to play the president in his own words. President spent almost nine minutes discussing the the absolute horror of what happened over the weekend, but there was other horror. What, you know, 46 other people died this weekend, and it happens every weekend, and nobody ever reports it. I think I'm the only one in TV that has ever scrolled the names of people you've never heard about, just in Chicago alone. And it is... It's it's simply because they can't advance the agenda to bludgeon Republicans. This president as racist. It's sad. 
Anyway, here's the president in his own words earlier today. Good morning. My fellow Americans, this morning, our nation is overcome with shock, horror, and sorrow. This weekend, more than 80 people were killed or wounded in two evil attacks. One Saturday morning in El Paso, Texas, a wicked man went to a Walmart store where families were shopping with their loved ones. He shot and murdered 20 people and injured 26 others, including precious little children. Then, in the early hours of Sunday morning, Dayton, Ohio, another twisted monster opened fire on a crowded downtown street. He murdered nine people, including his own sister, and injured 27 others. The First Lady and I join all Americans in praying and grieving for the victims, their families, and the survivors. We will stand by their side forever. We will never forget. These barbaric slaughters are an assault upon our communities, an attack upon our nation, and a crime against all of humanity. We are outraged and sickened by this monstrous evil, the cruelty, the hatred, the malice, the bloodshed, and the terror. Our hearts are shattered for every family whose parents, children, husbands, and wives were ripped from their arms and their lives. America weeps for the fallen. We are a loving nation, and our children are entitled to grow up in a just, peaceful, and loving society. Together, we lock arms to shoulder the grief. We ask God in heaven to ease the anguish of those who suffer, and we vow to act with urgent resolve. I want to thank the many law enforcement personnel who responded to these atrocities with the extraordinary grace and courage of American heroes. I have spoken with Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, as well as Mayor DeMargo of El Paso, Texas, and Mayor Nan Whaley of Dayton, Ohio, to express our profound sadness and unfailing support. Today, we also send the condolences of our nation to President Obrador of Mexico and all the people of Mexico for the loss of their citizens in the El Paso shooting. Terrible, terrible thing. I have also been in close contact with Attorney General Barr and FBI Director Ray. Federal authorities are on the ground, and I have directed them to provide any and all assistance required, whatever is needed. The shooter in El Paso posted a manifesto online consumed by racist hate. In one voice, our nation must condemn racism, bigotry, and white supremacy. These sinister ideologies must be defeated. Hate has no place in America. Hatred warps the mind, ravages the heart, and devours the soul. We have asked the FBI to identify all further resources they need to investigate and disrupt hate crimes and domestic terrorism, whatever they need. 
We must recognize that the Internet has provided a dangerous avenue to radicalize, disturb minds, and perform demented acts. We must shine light on the dark recesses of the Internet and stop mass murders before they start. The Internet, likewise, is used for human trafficking, illegal drug distribution, and so many other heinous crimes. The perils of the Internet and social media cannot be ignored, and they will not be ignored. In the two decades since Columbine, our nation has watched with rising horror and dread as one mass shooting has followed another over and over again, decade after decade. We cannot allow ourselves to feel powerless. We can and will stop this evil contagion. In that task, we must honor the sacred memory of those we have lost by acting as one people. Open wounds cannot heal if we are divided. We must seek real bipartisan solutions. We have to do that in a bipartisan manner that will truly make America safer and better for all. First, we must do a better job of identifying and acting on early warning signs. I am directing the Department of Justice to work in partisan partnership with local, state, and federal agencies, as well as social media companies to develop tools that can detect mass shooters before they strike. As an example, the monster in the Parkland High School in Florida had many red flags against him, and yet nobody took decisive action. Nobody did anything. Why not? Second, we must stop the glorification of violence in our society. This includes the gruesome and grisly video games that are now commonplace. It is too easy today for troubled youth to surround themselves with a culture that celebrates violence. We must stop or substantially reduce this, and it has to begin immediately. Cultural change is hard, but each of us can choose to build a culture that celebrates the inherent worth and dignity of every human life. That's what we have to do. Third, we must reform our mental health laws to better identify mentally disturbed individuals who may commit acts of violence and make sure those people not only get treatment, but when necessary, involuntary confinement. Mental illness and hatred pulls the trigger, not the gun. Fourth, we must make sure that those judged to pose a grave risk to public safety do not have access to firearms, and that if they do, those firearms can be taken through rapid due process. That is why I have called for red flag laws, also known as extreme risk protection orders. Today, I'm also directing the Department of Justice to propose legislation ensuring that those who commit hate crimes and mass murders face the death penalty, and that this capital punishment be delivered quickly, decisively, and without years of needless delay. These are just a few of the areas of cooperation that we can pursue. I am open and ready to listen and discuss all ideas that will actually work and make a very big difference. 
Republicans and Democrats have proven that we can join together in a bipartisan fashion to address this plague. Last year, we enacted the Stop School Violence and Fix Nix Acts into law, providing grants to improve school safety and strengthening critical background checks for firearm purchases. At my direction, the Department of Justice banned bump stocks. Last year, we prosecuted a record number of firearms offenses. But there is so much more that we have to do. Now is the time to set destructive partisanship aside, so destructive, and find the courage to answer hatred with unity, devotion, and love. Our future is in our control. America will rise to the challenge. We will always have, and we always will, win. The choice is ours, and ours alone. It is not up to mentally ill monsters. It is up to us. If we are able to pass great legislation after all of these years, we will ensure that those who were attacked will not have died in vain. May God bless the memory of those who perished in Toledo. May God protect them. May God protect all of those from Texas to Ohio. May God bless the victims and their families. May God bless America. Thank you very much. Thank you. So it's just like with the Kavanaugh hearings. Yeah. Okay. Well, bludgeon Kavanaugh. Well, almost every other weekend he had they had parties. Almost every other weekend, punch bowls, and they 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 spiked the punch, and then they line up in a hall and they gang rape these young girls, and it went on every other weekend, and then it becomes well, I never saw. Judge Kavanaugh spiked the punch. I never, well, he had a red solo cup. He was near the punch bowl. I never saw him give it to anybody. And it goes on from there. And just like, oh, Kavanaugh, well, what about the lieutenant governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia? No, I believers in that case. What about the governor of Virginia and, and the third in charge? Oh, blackface, Ku Klux Klan outfits. No, we, we're not going to stay on that. Why? Oh, my God. Why would we ever do that? Um, all right, let's get to our phones. Uh, let's say hi to Steve is in California, wants to go in a different direction. It's okay, Steve. How are you? Glad you called, sir. I'm doing well. I mean, it's good to talk to you, finally. It's great to talk to you, sir. Yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, Bill Barr's decision not to go after Comey on this uh, leaking stuff because it's low-laying fruit. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, Comey's admitted to everything in this charge, and uh, I think it's a big mistake not going after him on this. Put him through the same hell that Mueller put all the Trump orbit people under. The only the thing, last if, years. the only thing that, again, my sources are telling me, and we we've we've been right pretty much all along, and as evidenced by the referral for potential prosecution with Comey on a number of issues, we were right about that those documents that were classified, that was a violation of the Espionage Act. And uh, less than candid or lack of candor means lying. Well, that's what happened to Papadopoulos, Manafort, Cohn, uh, should have happened to Hillary and should eventually happen to Comey. But I think we've got a lot, many bigger issues in play. And I'm very, very peaceful about the process. Yeah, I, I understand that, but you got you got a grand slam right in front of you here. 
I say, go after it. You've explained it. And anybody can understand what's going on. All you got to watch is the video clips of that sanctimonious Coney shooting off his mouth on television all over the place. Yeah, Comey's kind of losing. Let, let's be honest here. No, no, no he's, a, he's a damn idiot, and he ought to pay for what he did. You know, every, I'm, I'm, I know you're frustrated. I'm frustrated as hell because nothing ever seems to happen to the other side. They get away with everything, and nothing ever happens. You're right, and if, and if you can call me back in a year from now and it's not settled and, and people haven't been held accountable, I, I, I would argue that we don't have a constitution anymore. I will argue with you that dual, equal justice under the law is is nonsense. It's non-existent, that there's a... There's a, a dual justice system, one for the elite, the powerful, and the rest for us. Um, and But I don't think we're going to end up in that place. And that's what I feel confident about. But I know it. there are decisions that are being made here that are being made factoring in much deeper things. That's I'm trying to tell you without giving away everything that I'm, I know and that I'm working on, okay? Um, anyway, a good call. I know a lot of you are asking me about just a little more patience. It's moving faster than I even thought. That, that I can tell you. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Full, complete coverage. Well, you know what? The predictable, politicizing tragedy, it just, I don't even know where to begin, but we'll go through in great detail the things that are important and the things that are not important when it comes to national tragedy if you can bludgeon trump pretty much it's all hands on deck the most incendiary language possible if you can't i will just ignore that part and we'll explain that's all coming up tonight nine eastern hannity fox news and all the latest information on the deep state and we'll see you tonight back here tomorrow as always thank you for being with us